<clears throat> okay, welcome to March. This is March. Uh, this is a grind uh, conference championship week. There's so many sports going on around us. Uh, Ryan has hockey. I have March Madness. There's Players Championship. The NBA starts tonight. Um, wow, we, we are in the thick of it. I, literally, as you say that, I, I right before we started recording, I said the Penguins scored a goal. We're off to a good start. Let's go. You clicked record, said sports are hot, and the Sabres scored. So um, we might have to stop recording because that's when the Penguins do well. Um, Nevada, Boise State right now, 68-60. Uh, a lot of Mountain West action. By the way, look, we, we haven't forgot about Pac-12 on our Twitter, um, but we might as well have had. We kind of have. It's, it's basically Oregon and no one else in the Pac-12. That That is what the Pac-12 looks like. Now, if Oregon didn't make the Pac-12 championship game, okay. But, I mean, wow, what a week it's been. Gonzaga, by the way, <clears throat> let's just dive right into it. This is not a hot take six uh, subject, but <clears throat> just a little debate for uh, the moment here. Gonzaga, do they really feel like it's just them or the field? Because I feel like every March Madness, it's any team. It, it Even like if you look at Wichita State, that's a great example, right? Wichita State going into the tournament undefeated. Everyone didn't pick Wichita State. No one did, right? And they ended up losing to Kentucky opening weekend, a one versus an eight seed. Now that Kentucky team was one of the most dangerous in the tournament that year. However, Gonzaga it feels like very odd, right? We forget about them up in the Northwest and they're undefeated. Hello, they're going to be a number one seed, but they've been a number one seed before. It feels like this is just status quo with Gonzaga and something's going to happen opening weekend or sweet 16 for them to get knocked out, right? Or is that just me? I don't know if it'll be, I mean, it could be in the round of 32. I, I, I don't know if we'll ever see another 16 beat a one, like when we saw UMBC a couple years ago do that. But I, the crazy thing is, though, is now we've, we've seen it happen. So as much as I don't feel like it could ever happen, I said that for years, and then we watched it happen. So I, But see, this is the perfect example of what I said last show. Gonzaga is that team, um, and boy, do I have another one in the hot take six, that they, they – always seem to be in this conversation of, oh, Gonzaga can do it. Oh, Gonzaga can win. They're, they're, they're good enough. And they never do it. So until Gonzaga wins a national championship and proves to me that they can get over that hump, I don't believe they're the favorite ever because they just can't do it. That is a great take because if they didn't beat North Carolina in that championship game, when will they? When will, will, when will they win the national title? That team was as one of the deepest in the country as you can have. And look, Jalen Suggs is not anything to joke about. The dude is elite talent. However, you've looked at their talent before. Adam Morrison, perfect example, right? They were one of the deepest teams in the country that year, bounced. So I don't know what to think of them. By the way, another couple quick conference championship grinding out storylines Miami what a week for them they weren't going to make the tournament anyway but you have teams in each tournament no matter what the conference is that push the boundaries and upset teams they had a phenomenal two-day stretch <clears throat> Duke it's unfortunate that they uh, got eliminated no fault of their own right but the fact the way the rules are set up for the tournament this year, if a team tests positive and we're going to look at that next week, I'm sure for a couple teams, I would imagine, you know, 
goodbye. You're, you know, we're not holding the tournament for you. And then uh, <laughs> Syracuse, I feel like they played themselves off the bubble, even with lo- losing to Virginia today. We'll see. Um, it's hard to get upset versus like a college playoff where there's actually teams deserving of a four spot versus where there's 60 some teams <laughs> in March Madness. And it's, it's hard to get upset about who's in and who's out. Um, but WVU losing today in a heartbreaker. That was one of the games of the day. Uh, Cade Cunningham, uh, the kid is going to be a lottery pick one or two, but uh, man, that, that was you, one of the worst possessions I've seen this week in college basketball, not just to close out a game that that's a, a, a no brainer, but it was one of the worst possessions I've seen the last month in college basketball. Or when you say last possession, are you talking about WVU's at the end of the game or Cunningham's at the end of the first half? Uh, WVU's at the end of the game. Okay. So I'm going to cover a little bit of that in the hot take six. So I won't, um, I won't get too far into it because that's, I have a little bit of that on my, on my list, but uh, the possession at the end of the half was not great for Oklahoma state because miles McBride deuce was, was all over him. He was, I'm pretty sure he said he was, what did Fran Fraschilla say? He compared him to a truant officer. He's like all around. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever heard that analogy used in college basketball, but that was a great sequence by Miles McBride to close out the uh, first half. But we should have known that was going to be the highlight of the day because the sequence to end out the game was abysmal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's just a terrible possession. I mean, you <laughs> Plain and simple. You know what? Let's dive into the hot take six. Let's get right into it. All right. So I'm just going to further this point just because we were already talking about it. Um, And this one comes a little bit from spoken as a fan and something that we've talked about a little bit before, but maybe not in depth like this. Is, Is WVU fans need to stop having an expectation when it comes to any, anything sports except rifle, which I know most of our fans probably, you know, I know some fans know that WVU has a great rifle team. And, and some of you may not even know that rifle is a national collegiate athletic association sport. But anyway, the point, the point that I'm making here is WVU is set up, is, is set up to fail in, in so many ways when it comes to, when it comes to the conferences and the, and the sports that they play. West Virginia is not a blue blood of any of any sport. They've had a lot of success in different sports, but it, it just feels like whenever they get to this stage, there is that hump similar to Gonzaga that they can't seem to get over. It's that last that last barricade to get to a championship. Or, um, you know, I think about the year that they played Gonzaga in the tournament, and they were probably good enough to make a Final Four. They couldn't get out of the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, the year that they lost to Stephen F. Austin in the first round, that that should never happen. Um, well, you know, even, to that point real quick, those happen every year. So sure. those happen every year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there are going to be upsets, and I understand that. Uh, but, you know, even when we're at the absolute closest, when we are at the absolute closest to getting to that pinnacle, something always happens. Whether it's the 2010 Final Four where – by no fault of his own, and, and you could never control it, Deshaun Butler blows out his knee, and and Duke takes it over, and, and they win that game. Or you look back at WVU's football in 2007. I know people don't like talking about it, but let's talk about it. 13-9 against Pitt. You have one game 
against a team that's what four and seven at the time to get to the national championship and they couldn't do it. So my urge to you and my maybe hot take here is stop having an expectation and you'll stop being disappointed. It's tough. I, I understand that we're fans and we want to have that, but sometimes you just have to say, you have to understand that sometimes you're just not built to be that national championship winning team always. So I hope it happens, but I, I don't know if we'll ever see it in our lifetime. Well, they're going to end up on the three or four seed line on Sunday, come selection Sunday. That's going to be a given. They're going to end up on a three or four, not going to get to a two. Some people think that might happen. They're not after losing today. Okay. The next thing is you talk about that Stephen F. Austin game. That, that was a team that was coached by Brad Underwood, mm -hmm. who's now the head coach at Illinois. And they're, let's be honest, if they're in the final four or on the championship game on Monday, we've already talked about it this week, it would not shock us. So he was, he was at a small time program, similar to Shaka Smart, makes the jump and it works out for him. It hasn't worked out for Shaka Smart, let's be honest. It, Shaka Smart is actually, uh, I think, taken three steps back at Texas with uh, that program. The, the next thing is WVU, uh, it, it seems to, to be, and we've talked about this before, but it seems to feel everyone thinks that WVU is one of these, how do, how do I look at, traditional programs when it comes to football or uh, basketball. We're, we're always getting prime slots when it comes to those kind of things, 3.30, 8.15, whatever you want to look at, um, noon, is typically reserved for the Kansas, Kansas State games, whatever. But in the Big East, they were they were not a, a, a blue bud, uh, blue blood, excuse me, but they were a traditional good school when it comes to to basketball. Uh, if, if you want to talk about uh, blue blood programs or things that are traditional powerhouses, WVU's as close as you can get to that. It's not, I mean, John Beeline. Then Bob Huggins, you have two great head coaches, and I'm sure whoever coaches after Bob Huggins will continue the success because there's just something about it where they're great at basketball. But they are their traditional team that finds themselves on the teeter-totter and never makes it over. Wisconsin, WVU, uh, give me another one. Um, Clemson back in the day before Clemson in, in football before Clemson got over those kind of hums. I think uh, about like Oregon in football. Oregon in football, that's a great one. So the, there are teams and programs that find themselves on the teeter totter all the time and never make the leap, and they're one of them. Unfortunately, that's just how the cookie crumbles, and you know it's a shame. It really is, but you know you can't you can't help those kind of things. And I'm sure alumni and those kind of thing things and the boosters want to see success where it's meant but hey tournament is still next week this this would have been nice to see them back in the big 12 title but you know it is what it is well and and to your point you're absolutely right the big dance is next week that's when it's really going to count and you know I, I see some of the players on social media saying i'm not going to lose in the tournament and and i love that mentality I, I i don't want i don't want people to misunderstand here i love my team i love the guys that go out there and compete I've never done it at a collegiate level, so I have no experience. I don't have a national championship. I don't know what it takes to win that. But point is, is, is when, when you just analyze this from a, an objective point of view, WVU, you're right. They're kind of that – this stat is thrown around all the time. They're the most winningest college football team that does not have a championship. 
one of the 25 most winningest college basketball teams ever. It's just that it's just that last hump. And again, I think of a team like Gonzaga. That's why I kind of use those kind of two intertwined here. It, it's just that last little hump that they can't ever seem to get over. Um, and it's unfortunate. And of course, I want to see it. Of course, I want to celebrate a championship. Everybody does. But uh, looking back on the sequence that you talked about from yesterday's game, I, I mean, I understand you're trying to get a, a pump fake out and try to draw the defender out. But you also have to be so cognizant of that time because you you have to understand you're working in a, in a 10 second window. You've already not Sean McNeil personally, but you've already taken a shot as a team, gotten a rebound and pushed it out. You almost shouldn't have time anyway. So you have one shot at this and you use it for a pump fake. It, it's just that's those are the moments that I talk about when I say that there's that little hump that we're just not going to get over. By the way, for all of our people who are international listeners or so on and so forth, we are both WVU alumni. So, you know, maybe it comes off a little biased. We don't care. Uh, Their basketball program is good. And to be honest with you, I don't know why, never will, never have, understand why people like WVU football more than WVU basketball because WVU basketball at least puts themselves in the teeter-totter realm with other programs like Wisconsin. So, But sticking with March Madness, wow. Wow, indeed. Duke being knocked out due to a positive test. I I, I get it, okay? We get it. We understand it. The interesting scenario is heading into next week. That's why it matters because Duke could have played themselves off the bubble today. Let's be honest. If they would have won, do you really think the committee is not putting them in? You know, are they not putting a Duke in who has name recognition and one of the most successful teams, not in college sports, just in sports period and in a basketball program? Like, I know it's not supposed to be about name recognition and stuff like that, but it is. And they missed out on a billion dollars last year because the tournament was canceled. Do you really think they're not putting them in? I would say yes. I would say they would put them in. I'm interested to see, my hot take is, I'm interested to see is really this the way to do things uh i mean i know the the way madness has always been set up is days of craziness in a row but what if we space it out a little bit what what if we did every other day or just kind of the walk-ons i mean i i don't know i mean i i i know for a fact next week there's going to be a few teams next weekend opening weekend that are that are going to test positive i would imagine and they're going to get bounced. And it's, you know, I, I don't know how the plan's going to work. We've said it time and time again, and, and people are tired of hearing it because they've heard it for 365 days now. It's an unprecedented time. In, in fact, I would probably argue that the word unprecedented is the word that we've used more than any in the last 365 days, just as a human race. This is how you have to do it this is how you have to do it the way that it works. I, I realize that there's so much that goes into March madness and there's their sponsorships and TV deals and, and all that. So you basically just have to approach it, approach it with the, with the no nonsense approach. And as unfortunate as it is, I mean, you, you don't want to see, I know people have the joke. I know there's a lot of Duke fans, but I know that there's the other side of that, that, you know, everyone hates Duke. Nobody wants to see Duke, but you don't want to see anybody kicked out for something that's basically beyond their control. That's just not fair. 
but unfortunately that's where we're at in 2021. You have to take this approach because when you're dealing with 64 teams, I mean, 68, but 64 teams in the, in the actual tournament, when you're dealing with 64 teams, you, you, you have to have this, you can't, you can't change the scheduling for all of this and, and basically try to work around one team because then what you're going to, going to end up doing is creating other issues and you're just going to end up having to do it again. I understand why this approach is the way that it is. And, and I also understand that some people may not like it, but that's just where we're at in 2021. And, and unfortunately it's a team like Duke that gets it. And again, you might see it again next week. And in fact, I think you very well may Seth. Uh, I saw on ESPN today, Seth Greenberg even mentioned uh, about the prospect of potential COVID implications as a team like, um, you know, Michigan or Illinois, somebody that's playing in their conference tournament. Do you even play it? Because you know, you're going to be in the tournament. Do you run that risk of playing in the conference tournament to get the, the note of conference champion when you know, you have a shot at the national championship. And I think it's an interesting take because I, I think he's spot on. You want to win the national championship. I get conference tournament. You, you know, you get celebration for that too, but the big dance is next week. Do you really want to be eliminated because of the virus or do you take that time off to just ensure that it does not happen? The only sport that came close to a nightmare scenario since all this was baseball, right? Didn't go to a game seven nightmare scenario. Just going to throw this out to you and leave it at this. What happens if a team tests positive on final four weekend, then what? That is the complete uttermost nightmare scenario for the NCAA. So I know I just sat here and said, you basically have to be no nonsense with it, but so I feel like the nightmare scenario is, and, and again, I, I, I haven't seen all the, you know, the, um, it's the word I'm looking for here. Like some of the mid majors or smaller schools that have won right. their tournaments, but let, let's just say that one of these mid majors, they're the ones that test positive, unfortunately, and they're kicked out and they're just like, Oh, you know, Illinois, you're, you're moving on. That's fine. But let's say that you get down the road into the final four and you only have basically three games left that you're scheduling and Illinois test positive. Are they going to work to reschedule that because it's a huge moneymaker or are they going to take that same approach when it comes to the final four and you have less games to worry about? Wow. That's a great point. That is a great point because I, I haven't looked at it that by the way, mid majors, on a positive note, you want to talk about something crazy. Loyola, a five and ten, now six and ten record-wise. Six and ten Loyola, Maryland is going to be playing for a ticket to punch themselves to the dance Sunday at noon in the uh, Patriot uh, final against uh, Colgate. So twelve and one Colgate. So those uh, are the stories that I love in March Madness. Even yeah. even if it's even if it's a team that you've never heard of. I love the teams that come from basically nowhere, win a conference tournament, and then get beat by 57 in the first round. That is so yeah. cool to, to be able to be like, but we did it. We were there. What's crazy is last night watching that game and switching back and forth. Um, real quick, Loyola, they beat Army, and I didn't know this until watching it, but Army's one of four division original Division One schools when the NCAA was instituted that have never made the tournament. How about that? 
I guess that's not shocking because I know that it, a little history here for everybody that basically, excuse me, the NIT was the national tournament in like the thirties and the early forties. And then I think it was like 1947 or maybe 57 that it turned around and was actually the basketball championship. Um, but I mean, Army's won some football titles, but that yeah. I've, I've never considered Army to be a, to be a basketball school. Right. In fact, I had back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners in the 40s. Hmm. Yeah, Army Doc and Navy. Blanchard and Johnny Leitner, just for everyone's. Alabama and uh, Ohio State, that was Army and Navy in the 40s. I'm yeah. <laughs> Little uh, Roger Stallback in the 70s, too. Kind of fun to think about, huh? So, yeah. Um, all right, so my next one here is actually kind of – kind of blurring the lines between entertainment and sports a little bit, but oh, I feel wow. that we have to talk about it because it's a, it's a TV deal. I think you probably know which one I'm getting at here recently announced this week. Uh, the NHL is back on ESPN and I don't like it. I don't like it. And the reason that I don't like it is because the NHL is basically of the four major sports, the one that's not covered the most Anyway, just overall, um, you know, I think just objectively looking at it, if I were to rank them, I would say probably the NFL, then the NBA, MLB, and NHL. I honestly think you could make an argument for NBA or NHL to be number one, but I I just think the NFL has a a slight edge on it still. But we can can argue that. We can do that for an eliminator segment in the the summer. But um, – Real quick, I'm sorry to uh, interrupt you. People sliding into my DMs, multiple people. Uh, <laughs> the Eliminator is only a summer segment, so we're not going to do it. <laughs> we're not going to do it again, guys, until summer. But continue. Yeah, we're not going to do more Disney movies today. Like I, I sat and looked at a whole list of Disney movies. Whatever, I digress. But I, I don't like it. I don't like this deal. Um, and I just think, you know, basically the verbiage that they used to describe it was we're going to branch it out. We're going to do, um, you know, we're going to do more games and put them on more platforms like ESPN plus that part of it, I think is actually good because it gives people the opportunity to access it. Now I know we discussed about, you know, what streaming platforms you want to have in and when you want to use them and ESPN plus may not be everyone's first choice because they don't feel like they need it. But if you have the extra $5 and you're paying for it and want to see more sports, then it's going to be on. The problem is, is you have to make people want to like hockey. And and hockey, I feel, has always been very niche. Hockey is not a sport that everyone is is flocking to. So I I think ESPN is really going to have to do some basically ground up work if they want hockey to look the way that they envision it. I'm a little disappointed that it's going away from the NBC Sports Network. I've always enjoyed that broadcast. I know it's different a little bit now with Doc Emmerich on, as we've touched on before. But, um, you know, I'm going to keep watching my regional broadcast. I don't necessarily feel that it needs to be on ESPN. Uh, I also remember, too, I don't know if you remember this. I, I The things that I remember are fascinating as opposed to the things that I forget. I remember a Sports Center segment or a sports center clip back in the day where Scott Van Pelt was the anchor. And as they went away to commercial, they weren't quite out of camera, out of folk, out of, you know, whatever that would be called. I'm not a TV guy. You probably know. Um, 
but they weren't quite out yet. And he goes, I effing hate hockey highlights. And it was clearly audible in the, in the transmission of it. So basically he had to come back on and say, I apologize. That's not the way I feel, but it is the way you feel. And that's not a slight to him. You just don't like hockey. I get that. There are people that don't like it. So I just, I don't feel like this is going to help it. ESPN's line when the deal got announced. It's great. We're expanding. Da, 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 da. And the line they kept using, which was kind of interesting in the verbiage, the NHL was the first sport we aired on the network after three months of being on the air in, in the 1970s. That doesn't tell me how you feel about the sport today. Number two, <laughs> Gary Bettman saying it expands that ESPN Plus has some more subscribers. ESPN reaches a broader base. Da, 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 da. But what he doesn't talk about which is kind of fascinating. Look, I understand ESPN Plus is a U.S. subscriber system only. So is Peacock. And Peacock has more subscribers than ESPN Plus. So if you want to talk about reaching more people and you want to, and he talks about, you know, the streaming going into the next, you know, generation of talent and people in the NHL, I think that's Peacock. Because Peacock has been built for success for quite a while with their library and the fact that they've done live sports. They're about to have the Olympics this summer, hopefully, which is probably going to be the most traffic they will receive other than that NFL wildcard game they had with Cleveland and Pittsburgh. But everyone keeps playing the NHL ESPN song and keeps saying Gary Thorne and, and, and John Bucci-Gross is, is going to be doing play-by-play uh, play play and, and Barry Melrose is going to be back in the booth. It's cool ESPN is going to care about hockey again. How often do you see Barry Melrose on TV? Probably, what, twice, three times a year, and they're only in the playoffs? Like, so it's cool that they care about hockey again. But, I mean, the, the NBC has been an amazing partner for them. I, the, the weird thing in all this – is they say four out of the Stanley Cups. So where are the other three going during that deal? Because it's from 2021 to 2027, unless that four Stanley Cups expand over that time. Uh, the, the also interesting scenario in this is, I, I, I would imagine it's going away off NBC completely the way the contracts expire. So what does NBC do? They have the Olympics. They have golf. They have NFL Sunday Night Football. If I'm, if I'm NBC right now, I make a massive push to get Sunday tickets. Mm -hmm. I make a massive push, throw all my chips in. Hey, guys, we just lost one of our key components of our sports programming for Peacock and NBC. Let's, let's do this thing and make a push for the number one. You know, and they can sell it to the NFL. Hey, we're your, we're your most watched game every week, da 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 da, da. But, yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm on the fence about it because – it the the show I have ESPN Plus and I know you do as well. The in the crease show is not bad if you watch that as far as highlights. But that's the only like that's on an ESPN Plus. Like how how many people are watching that in, in America? Number two, highlight shows are not as successful as they were in the in the mid two thousands. And point three, ESPN will care about hockey for the first time in a long time. I mean, I. How often is it for real? How often is it in the last 16, 17 years you've seen ESPN put on hockey highlights? There was a hockey reporter on there yesterday saying players were texting her saying ESPN will finally show us on TV. That's how much they do not show. Them. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the sad part is, is there is still that there's still that 
aspect of it where they're not showing them. But but in the same but in the same token, I also understand that again when it's not the money making sport, when everything that happens in the NFL and the NBA is news, that's that's how it's going to work. There's going to be that kind of bias of of picking the sports that are making them money. Um, you know, maybe hockey helps that now that they have it, that they show more hockey highlights. But I remember times too. Now, I'm, I'm not going to claim to be the biggest hockey fan in the world because I probably just started watching the sport full time seven or eight years ago, if that. Um, but but when they do hockey highlights, I don't know if you watch it or seen I don't watch ESPN a lot. It is painful to listen to them talk about hockey highlights because I don't not that like not that hockey people expect you to use all the lingo that they use you know all sports have like that lingo that they feel was like agreed upon and universal but it is painful to listen to them talk about hockey it's just a it's almost like a foreign sport to to them and they don't even know what's going on so you know I'm interested to see what what happens next and if they can make this partnership great but my my outlook on it is is just not good for the time being other than John Bucci-Grosh and Linda Cohn, Barry Melrose, I don't know of any other person at ESPN that cares about hockey. Steve Levy, but he's in the football booth all the time now. So how much time will he actually get? As far as exposure goes, last thing I'll say, on the bottom ticker on ESPN that we see, when it says ESPN, you'll finally know where to find a game, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I kind of forgot Barry Melrose existed, so thank you for bringing him back into my my realm of knowledge. Yeah, no, I always, uh, when ESPN did like kind of a semi-relaunch in 2014, um, one of my favorite segments was uh, Levy and Melrose doing the uh, Levy Lounge, just breaking down hockey for like 10, 15 minutes. It was like the coolest thing for me, even in college, just watching these two guys break down hockey in a complete open forum on SportsCenter. Sticking with money, whew. Contracts like this always work out. I, I don't know why I'm even considering this a hot take. It's going to work out, right, Dak? Dak is Dak is just, I mean, my gosh, he's going to take the Cowboys to a Super Bowl, and he's going to lead them to an NFC championship. And it just, it always works out like this. I mean, I can't uh, think of any bad contract where a quarterback got paid for doing something and then kind of fell off a cliff. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess one comes to mind. I, I guess Carson wins but um no no that worked out my bad no that worked out so um everyone congratulating Dak. like stage one is getting paid stage two is actually performing he hasn't performed they continue how let's google this real quick if you don't mind google this for me i'm ready my google how, machine how is many ready. times has he made the playoffs as a qb i think it's only been once maybe twice it has to be because he did it, he did it his rookie year when Tony when Tony was the backup. I don't think he's done it since then. And if it, and if he has, it was a wild card. The first article is Dak Prescott's playoff record isn't as bad as you think. Almost like it's an an ad. Um, let me see this here. I always like Pro Football Reference because I feel like it's usually. But why you're looking I, that up? What's that? I think it's once or twice, but yes, please go ahead because this might take a second. Okay. Oh, ex example, a comparable player to Dak Prescott on pro football reference is Carson Wentz. Okay, great. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, the guy, he got paid 
Now, what did the Cowboys do with their salary cap? The salary cap has decreased, right, for the first time in a long time in the NFL. The next, the next big question is, what does Dallas do to build around him? Because let's be honest, Amari Cooper, uh, I don't think he's going to be on the team next year. The next question is, Ezekiel Elliott, is he even really elite anymore? I know I hate using that word when it comes to sports, elite, who's elite, mm-hmm. who's not. But is elite? really the word we want to use for Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he's a decent back, but it seems like he's taken so many hits over the last couple of years that it doesn't matter. And to be honest with you, it also looks like they, he quit on the team last year. So, and I also don't think the cat, the coach they have in Dallas is an upgrade. Yeah. Jason Garrett wasn't the answer that that is for, for damn sure. But <laughs> Mike McCarthy is not the answer either. I don't know who they're going to find or hire, but it seems like a train wreck waiting to happen. And Crystal Ball, I would not be shocked if Dak is traded in two off seasons for, for, for some value because it's just he, – he's average, but he's not good enough to win you a title, I don't think. He, he reminds me of Andy Dalton with the Bengals or Ryan Tannehill with the Dolphins. Average enough to get you wins, but not good enough to get you where you need to be. I, I think Dak is a is a fine quarterback, but I think the problem that we really have to address here, and I won't go too far into it because I don't know what your last hot take is. Um, but I have a I have a question for you. Who protects quarterbacks? <laughs> Offensive lines. Do you think that they get paid fairly considering what these quarterbacks make now? No, I don't, and I'm pretty sure the only offensive line that was guy on that line that was still worth something was Tyron Smith. Mm-hmm. I don't think he. I think he retired. Um, I know that. I know that they had one that retired. I think it might have been Travis Frederick that retired. But I do remember the Cowboys having one of like the best offensive lines in the NFL at, at that one point. I think Zach Martin's still there, and I know he's a pretty elite offensive guard point is though is is i don't i don't know understand how we're just basically saying now yeah we don't really need the offensive lineman as much and, and i think of an example like you know i think of an example like the chiefs releasing both of their starting tackles with yeah. this now the cowboys restructured the contract of two of their linemen to basically make room for this so they could sign back and keep everything in this new cap set but i'm sorry you have to build more than just the quarterback do you want to know one of the reasons that Tom Brady has been the most successful quarterback of the last 20 years? That seems weird to say the most successful quarterback of the last 20 years, because his salary has always been under the average of what a quarterback makes. They're able to sign other people in other positions to get him to where he needs to be. Tom Brady makes a lot of money, but you know who makes more money? The rest of the team. He's not taking up your cap hits, basically saying, well, if I'm not making $40 million a year, I don't want to be here. That's why they win games, because they're able to pay offensive line. There's the old joke about, well, Tom Brady never got sacked. You want to know why? They paid the offensive line. And you know what? That same thing's going to happen to Dak. You start paying these big contracts, and you start guaranteeing all kinds of money. You put yourself in cap hell, and then you're not going to win games. It's almost like we've seen this a million times with not just the Cowboys, but many other teams and people still do it. Yeah. And we make the joke about contracts always working out for quarterbacks because Joe Flacco got paid. 
that's that's a perfect example. I don't really need to dive farther into that. Brock Osweiler got paid. Oh, that might be the that and Jamarcus Russell might be the two worst quarterback contracts of all time. Sam Bradford got paid. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's just it it never. You're making me out. reconsider. It never works out. It really doesn't. My last story, kind of a real twist and turn. So the Players' Championship's going on this weekend. It's a fantastic tournament at TPC Sawgrass. By the way, eight balls landing in the water today at 17. It is considered one of the toughest holes in golf uh, as far as the tournament goes because on the back back half of that hole, if you land it too far to the edge, that is typically how it, it rolls away from you and gets into the water, which happened a lot today. But my question is, is Jordan Spieth, a Rory McIlroy still top golf guys that we should be expecting them to break out on these runs like Phil or Tiger because Jordan is having an okay weekend right now on day one anyway. And there are other guys besides him though, that, I mean, Jordan hasn't won a championship in a long time or tournament really, but I mean, right now he sits at, Tied 12th, minus two. Leaders, uh, Sergio Garcia at minus seven. And then you got Bryson Dam- uh, DeChambeau, uh, DeChambeau, French, minus three. And, you know, Rory is all the way. Let me find it here. He's not even on the leaderboard. I'm at, I'm at tied 85. I still can't find him yet. I know he was plus three earlier today. But, yeah, he's not even on the leaderboard. That's how far – well, there he is. Tied 139, plus seven. I, I'm wanting to know, are they still elite guys? Like, because we always expect them to be Tiger or Phil or make those incredible runs. But Jordan hasn't been the same since his ball many years ago in 2015, one of the craziest things I've ever seen in sports. Not golf, not golf. I love watching golf, but it's – when his ball at the Masters in 2015, land, 2016, excuse me, a quadruple bogey, I don't think the guy's been the same since. And I know that's been four or five years now, but is it really just in, – in Ricky Fowler, I, I love Ricky Fowler too, and there's not really a golfer I don't like other than maybe DeChambeau, but I, I don't see those guys breaking the ceiling anytime soon. I think what we have to appreciate with guys like Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas before them, is, is there just aren't that many people who are that good at golf. There are a very select few people that can really be that. And I know you've mentioned this word, but to, to bring it up in, in the golf sense of being elite that elite group of golfers that is truthfully the, the best ever. I I think that's something we fall into in sports where we're looking for like, who's going to be the next Tom Brady, who's going to be this. But I I think sometimes in, in, you know, just overall, we fail to see how great these people really are. We may not know who the next person is yet. You know, there could be, um, and this sounds a little animated and maybe far-fetched, but I'm kind of being serious there could be some six-year-old golf phenom that we don't know about yet who's 
playing down in, I don't know, Arizona, New Mexico, wherever you can play golf all the time, Florida, I don't know. But point is, is that next person may not be here yet. Everybody wants to make, you know, the, the Jordan Spieths and the more Roy McElroys. And, and I mean, I think they're good golfers, but to your point, they're just not that elite level of golfer. I, I think what we have to do is, you know, maybe even look back on the careers of Tiger and Phil and be like, man, we might not ever see this again. But you know what? You very well could see it again with John Smith here in 20 years, whenever he's old enough to compete. I, I, I don't know if there's anybody else that can carry that torch in golf right now. Um, I'm not going to claim to be the biggest golf fan in the world, but uh, it really seemed like it was going to be Roy McIlroy for a hot second. It, it just hasn't been. Um, I know there's other names that people talk about now, but I, I just don't know if there's another Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson out there quite yet. People talk about Dustin Johnson all the time too. He's a great golfer when it comes to his short game. He's not having a good weekend either. I mean, he won the Masters last fall, which feels weird to say because it's only like three or four weeks away that it's going to happen again. Yeah. I mean, it literally just happened. It legitimately just happened and it's going to happen in two or three weeks, but he's plus two at the end of day one. I, I'm very interested to see what happens at the Masters because some people even today during uh, the coverage of the players think Tiger will be back for the Masters, but that strikes me as shocking because I don't, I don't see that happening. I mean, that'd be a massive turnaround. Um, you know, the way they talk about his car wreck, it was, it was insanely bad. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's great though. I mean, what you say about we keep looking for the next tiger, we keep looking for the next Phil, but maybe Jordan and Roy just aren't those guys. And Jordan had a fantastic, I mean, fantastic. One of the best years I've ever watched in golf. And I watch a lot of golf, but that 2015 made me believe he was the next greatest athlete, not, not tiger, just a, the next greatest athlete that we were about to talk about for generations and after that quadruple bogey in, at, the, at Augusta uh, at, at the uh, par 312, hasn't been the same. So we'll see what happens going forward the rest of this weekend. But the players is uh, the reason it's a big tournament for people who aren't golf fans. <laughs> the reason it's a big tournament is, and it should be considered as a fifth major. Hopefully it is one day. The, the winner gets $2 million. I mean, it's a $2 million purse. It's the biggest payout on any of the PGA tour, tour events. So going to take up golf then because that's um maybe i'm the next great golf that's not true i've seen myself play golf that's that's never true you can ask my buddy cameron about what it's like to play golf with me i broke two of his clubs the first time i ever played so that's probably not my sport but it's okay um so i have one more on my end sticking in the nfl i'm looking into a five i'm i'm going five years down the road here we're going to do a five-year crystal ball oh snap so if we're if we're still doing this in five years, we're we're gonna we're gonna turn back on this and, and we're gonna look at it. But I have a prediction. If when there maybe we. we're maybe we're bigger and badder then. Maybe yeah. we have a, a whole company by then. Or studio. Not not our apartments in our respective cities. Fair yeah. enough. In the NFL, the worst team. And it won't be close in the next five years is going to be the Miami Dolphins. Now, why do I say that? 
there's quarterback controversy. We've heard that. We talk about this a lot with different quarterbacks. Is two of the guy? We don't know if two is the guy. Miami is the classic overspender and free agency. That never bodes well, folks. Those who spend a lot have way too much to spend because they don't have anybody worth keeping. So they feel that they can piece together a team and build it in. I think the anomaly might be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because, well, you brought in the greatest quarterback of all time. It doesn't always happen that you can piece your team together that way. Free agency is truly meant for, um, you know, to, to fill gaps and patch holes and not create a brand new ceiling. We're stopping leaks, not creating new ones. Every single day, I hear about a different free agent that the Dolphins have mutual interest in. Juju Smith-Schuster, Aaron Jones, other receivers, other running backs, other players, doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. Can you name one Dolphins running back from the last five years, 10 years? Um. Wow, that's a great game. I don't think I can. So the one guy that comes to mind, at least for me, is Kenyon Drake. And he was traded. And Reggie Bush was there. He didn't really have a great career in Miami. Uh, <laughs> there's others. There's others. Jay Ajay had 200 yards against the Steelers. Don't like talking about that, but that's beside the point. Um. You, you, you just can't win through free agency. And I think that they're going to find that maybe this Tua thing isn't necessarily the full answer. And without the full complement around him, if you're trying to piece it together through free agency, I just think you're going to find that it's not successful. I think Miami's strength is their defense. And I think Miami should be able to build around their defense. But I think the biggest problem is, is their offense. And their offense is going to crumble around them. And I think if you don't have an offense in this upcoming NFL – it's really not going to matter too much because it really seems to be moving to an offensive game. Now I understand defenses make a difference too. Uh, a team like Pittsburgh last year certainly would have, wouldn't have been in the playoffs based on offensive merit alone. So I get the defense is there, but you know, contracts are going to come up. They're going to lose guys and they're going to try to patch those holes with somebody else. Big contracts aren't the way to go. I, I, you know, maybe it won't be Miami. Maybe we're still looking at a team like Jacksonville with everything that, uh, could potentially happen there, but I just don't think the outlook right now, at least in my opinion, is great in Miami. Yeah, that's bold. That's really bold because the Jets, I don't see any pro progress there. Um, Something about the NFC East or the yeah, AFC East. No, I mean, Sorry. the NFC East is just a pile of you-know-what. Yeah, something about the Eastern divisions in sports. Yeah, yeah, no, I – I don't believe that any of the NFC East teams will be the worst in the league, but there's been extreme decline. By the way, if you've seen Ron Rivera, he hasn't ruled out Cam Newton going to Washington. Miami is a great pick, though. I don't think they will be the worst, but I, I will give you someone that would not shock me, would not shock me at all, is San Francisco. Taking a huge back step. Another one of those teams that builds through free agency. They have a good head coach in Kyle Shanahan, but it is starting to look like with every passing day that Jimmy G contract is toxic. 
because what does he really do for the team? That's what it comes down to. And Miami, it's, it is wild in a sense that Tannehill left there and they have no quarterback, but Tannehill is one of the top five or six with Tennessee and he lets it fly. He lets it fly. And it's just mind boggling to know it worked out like that because Tua, when you look at Tua, Tua's, when you look at highlights or games that he's played in this past season, maybe there is a reason that they kept putting him on a, on a minute restriction. It's a little odd to do that in your um, NFL time frame. Like that seems like more of a baseball thing or really any other sport except football is to be like a snap restriction or a time restriction. That feels like a basketball thing or a hockey thing. Um, but I mean, again, hindsight's 2020. You can look back after one year. I'm not one of these people that, that wants to look back after one year and absolutely criticizes and completely chastises the, the Dolphins for taking Tua over Justin Herbert. That's not fair. You know, this, this happens all the time in, in traditional sports media where we look back and say, well, let's redraft the 2020 draft. You, no, stop that. You can't do that after one season. In fact, I think it takes up till that first contract point where you can truly do that. Point is, we're going to have to see growth out of Tua. Now, will the Dolphins be the worst team in, in you know, the league? Yeah, probably not, but his growth is really going to be contingent upon this. And, and the, the building through free agency does not work. I'm here to tell you that signing, I love Juju. He's a great stealer. He had his years there. He had some great moments. I'm here to tell you that signing him and Aaron Jones is not the answer for you getting over the hump into the Super Bowl. You want to know who blocks for running backs for them to get yards? The offensive line. Focus on your offensive line build from the ground up, get a couple draft picks in there, and you might see a little bit more success. The defense is their strength. I think the defense will still be sound. Um, Coach Flores really seems to, to keep that defense high ranking. I don't know. We're just going to have to see where the offense lands here in a couple years. So before we get to the second half, Ryan, I've been listening to a lot of music uh, this week. Keep me calm uh, just due to the grind that is conference championship week. Uh, right now, Knicks are tipping off against the Bucks, So the second half is starting. By the way, we play a primetime game, if you can believe that, on ESPN uh, against Brooklyn. Battle for New York. No sleep till Brooklyn. That used to be my motto when both teams were good. Now we're good again, both of us. We are the best team in New York, though, and we'll find that out on Monday. But you know where I do that? is on Amazon Music. You know, No Sleep Till Brooklyn is also a great recommendation for a song to listen to. It is. Um, on Amazon Music because we love the bill. The, the bill. Let me try that again. We love the Beastie Boys, uh, the No License to Ill album, um, or License to Ill album, I should say. I'm confusing the two now. I apologize. My dad's going to come after me for this. He knows I like this album. But anyway, you know what song has been stuck in my head over the past two days? I can't stop listening to it. I don't know if you've seen the Wendy's commercial with the DJ Khaled and Migos song, Major Bag Alert. No. But I cannot, that stupid commercial has plagued that song in my mind for the last two days. I can't stop singing it. 
I can't stop listening to it. Listen to it on Amazon Music. That's where I'm listening to everything that I can't get out of my head, putting it into a playlist, putting it on shuffle every single day. Um, so um, I have a little bit of Migos. I have a little bit of August Burns Red. One of my favorite um, artists is coming out with a new song tomorrow. Well, today I haven't listened to it yet because we're recording on Thursday. But Danko Jones has a new song coming out tomorrow, a little bit of rock. I think you might like that, Ryan. It's a little bit of that, uh, has a little bit of a 2000s vibe to it potentially mm. so that might be a recommendation there for you but anyway we're doing this all on amazon music and when you sign up for amazon music it's 7.99 a month you have the unlimited access to their library of songs you can make playlists you can have playlists catered to you based on their services that they use it's 7.99 a month sign up with the link get amazon music.com backslash to ryan sports again that link is get amazon music dot com backslash to ryan sports sign up today and put all your favorite earworms in a playlist and just go for it so do we understand we can grab bag monday morning headlines Whew, what a, what a packed second half and <laughs> i mean if it's a no-brainer i mean like uh here's your sign uh selection sunday is on mm. sunday and brackets being released. Uh, how many brackets you do? Are you a one bracket guy or multiple? I, I try to do two or three. Usually I'm a two bracket guy um, because I always feel like you have to have the, the one that you're like, okay, if I just put through all the seeds that make sense, I'll get points. Mm. But then I also try to have the potential upset bracket, right? You like take the chance on the 113 seed or the 112 seed. Yeah and put them through who you think it might be. So I say, I say to be successful, you have to do at least two. And that's, that's usually where I'm at. I would be happy. And my goal is always to get a perfect sweet 16. That's never happened. I just think it's just, and I know people have done it, but I feel like it's impossible. What's the closest you've ever came? Because I would probably like, I don't know mine. I would probably say like maybe seven or eight. Which the closest I came, I don't know his teams, but I believe was like 60-some percent. Okay. Yeah. But my first do we understand story, and it's really – and it's the only one I have. It's a wild one. Talk about a power move. You're Netflix, and your competitor in the mid-2000s was Blockbuster. Blockbuster now only has one store. Netflix is doing a documentary – about the last remaining blockbuster that is a crazy do we understand story and to tap it on all that netflix is i guess going to be cracking down on password sharing so if you share the same password here within the next month or so there is now going to be authentication factor codes that will be sent to the person's account who it is um to crack down on password sharing so two do we understand stories in one Netflix is just power, power moves. They are, they're not Disney. They're not Disney and being Thanos and collecting everything, but it's still a wild move. Okay. So I'm going to address these separately because I have thoughts on both of them. Number one, awesome move to do a documentary on Blockbuster. Fantastic. Because you're right. I always remember back in the mid 2000s, late 2000s, it was like, oh, we have our movies delivered directly to our door from Netflix. I'm like, no, you got it. You have. If you don't smell the video store, I don't like you. And everyone knows what that smells like. 
everyone knows what a blockbuster smells like, but fantastic move by Netflix to just be like, hey, so, uh, you know, we're kind of a billion dollar company and you're kind of like a $5,000 company now. So if uh, we could do a documentary about you, that'd be great. So big slap in the face. Also, the second part of this, the only, the first thought that I have, and really it's the only thought I have about the password sharing is, is I, I like this, but I like it for the tweets that are going to come out of this and the texts that are going to come out of this. OMG, I tried to sign into my Netflix and I forgot it's from my third boyfriend ago and he just got a text message about authenticating it and he doesn't even remember who I am. Mm. You know, it's, it's going to create a lot of, it's going to create a lot of those stories. Um, You know, maybe, you know, maybe it's not like all these crazy tweets, but it, there's going to be a lot of moments where uh, somebody's getting a text and they're like, um, why is Amber, or Jennifer, or Bill or Dan trying to sign into my Netflix? Like, we're not together anymore. That, <laughs> I didn't even think of it like that because you're right. There are people that still uh, do that. By the way, live update, Kansas is advancing. Going to play in the uh, semis, winner of Texas, Texas Tech. I, what, what is fascinating to me? Well, let, I'll do, I'll do it like you did. I'll address them separately. The first is that is such a power move, right? Netflix being like, Hey, Blockbuster, you need to, uh, just basically bow down to us. You got one store left, by the way, that one store in Blockbuster, I don't know if they still do, but, uh, over the summer to raise uh, money to keep them in business, they did an Airbnb at their last remaining Blockbuster. And you could have a 90s theme night, sleep in the Blockbuster store. They like set up like air mattresses or whatever. That seems weird. That seems weird. But then the password share. I would venture to say out of 115 million subscribers to Netflix, uh, there's actually like maybe five, five million subscribers who pay and don't, you know, share the password with Dan or John because that's how Netflix got so huge to begin with. People were like, I don't want to pay 15, 16 bucks, whatever it is now. I, uh, I'm not really a Netflix guy, though, to be honest with you. There's so many other good shows on good networks. HBO Max is delivering classic, classic, great content. Peacock, as we've talked about, or the Freecock, because we're basically giving them free advertising every episode. Uh, they have WWE coming next week. So there's a lot of great stuff coming to different platforms. Disney Plus, right? We've talked about them. They are Thanos. They are collecting every... I mean, my God, Disney is... ESPN's owned by Disney. They're, they're snatching up the NHL from us. So they own everything. Uh, I'm not really a Netflix guy anymore. I think there's maybe uh, two, three shows on there that are worth my time, but their model seems outdated now where they release everything at once where other streaming services are doing the weekly schedule, weekly schedule, just watch it whenever, which keeps you in the, the conversation longer for more, you know, discussion. You imagine if WandaVision would have got released all at once, it wouldn't, I don't think it would have taken off as nearly as it did, right? Because they did the weekly schedule. So You've clearly never watched the Great British Baking Show on Netflix, or you would be raving about that like I do. He watched the Great British Baking Show. I love the Great British Baking Show. So what? So what I've learned about this is 
what I actually enjoy is competition. So I have to watch a show that has some degree of competition to it. So I think I would like Survivor if I like jumped into it. I've never watched the season, but like I find it hard to watch shows that there's no competition with. But at the Great British Baking Show, because like somebody's eliminated and you have to perform and do this, I'm like, I love this. So our friend David Sampson, who we just had on last week, his season, Survivor Kagiyan, it's on Netflix. It is the best season Survivor ever has ever had, by far. It was all first-time players, no returners. If, if you don't mind, if you could do me one favor, I don't ask you for, for much. Watch 10 minutes of that, of that first episode of Survivor Kagiyan. Let me know what your thoughts are, because that is as classic high-stakes reality competition as you'll get. I'm going to have to dive into it because again, I think I probably would like it from the, the competition aspect of it and the, the strategy politics. to play and the, and the, right. The, all of that, that kind of goes into it. Um, yeah. I, I just, I like competition on, I, it, and, and I've said this before, but to reiterate and to further drive home the point, I pretty much only watch sports. I, I know that to many sounds like a boring life, but like if, there are sports on typically I'm watching them. That's, that's what I watch on TV. And I mean, you know, you'll, be want, you'll be watching my survivor season. Oh, absolutely. Well, clearly I'm going to watch your survivor season because I'm going to, because you're going to have an NDA and you're not going to be able to talk about it. So then we're going to have to watch it and then we'll review it on the show whenever right. we're, whenever we're done with it. Right. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're not going to be able to talk about it, but we'll have our day to talk about it. I know that for damn sure. Okay. So I have, um, I actually wrote down a bunch of do we understand stories and uh, you know, some of them like Mark Ingram signing with the Texans. I mean, we'll just never be able to understand that one because why would you want to go to that franchise? Uh, I'm going to leave one of them out here, um, but I, I do want to touch on it just briefly. Uh, there was a piece of art sold online, uh, an NFT, which is a non-fungible token, which is basically like NBA top shot, Bitcoin, something like that. Um, that you can't hold, it's all just digital, that sold for $66 million online the other day. So just, just know what direction this world's moving in, that Bitcoin is, you know, $14,000, $20,000 a share. NBA Top Shot moments are selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And another NFT in this piece of art is selling for $66 million. I don't understand art to begin with, though. Like, <laughs> when we had art class and they would say make art, I would try to draw stick figures and my mm -hmm. stick figures wouldn't even look good. And they'd be like, what do you draw? And I'd be like, that's art. And they'd be like, no, it's not. That's not the assignment. And I used to say, <laughs> I used to say art's open to, <laughs> open to interpretation. Yes. Uh, and my art teacher has never liked that. And that's probably why I got it. Why I got a D in art. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, you could look at a, a blank wall, a blank white wall and like paint it. And someone be like, what is that painting? And you'd be like, well, it's a, uh, it's a nice uh, white wall with uh, meaning of emptiness and, and the void that you feel. And they'd be like, but that's just a picture of a white wall. And you'd be like, no, that's art. <laughs> like, I don't right. understand art. 
You know what else is art? My wood paneling. This is art. That that is art. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't uh, art makes no sense. No. I, so I understand that you know there are people that understand it. I mean, there are great artists in the world, and and art is one of those things that's very subjective. Um, you know, there are artists that I see and I'm like, eh, I don't really like it, but they love it and other people love it. Uh, there are artists that I see that I'm like, man, can, can you do like work for me because I love your stuff, but you're also selling stuff for millions of dollars. So I'm going to be out on that. Uh, but truthfully, art, art is very subjective and, and everything is art in its own way. You're right. But I just, I don't know the, the direction that we're moving in this world where everything is moving to this like digital platform and you can only host this online and it's selling for $66 million. That just, that's just bananas to me. The person that has the money to buy that for 66 million is the person that's gonna be staying in the space hotel in 2027. They can take their digital art with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They can take their digital art with them, print it off and put it on the damn wall. I, I don't know what to tell you, but if you have $66 million to drop on a PDF, go for it. You know, I get them for free at work. <laughs> so I, I don't need, I don't need to pay for them. Sorry, I had a slight episode there, but it's, yeah, I, that's, uh, yeah, 2021, man. Uh, but the two ones that I really wanted to get into, I know I, I said that that was, you know, kind of a Passover one. Uh, the two that I really kind of have here, and, and I, I don't want to dwell on them, but number one, do we understand when is anyone ever going to recognize Tony Hawk? There is, um, so a conversation resurfaced on Twitter uh, about this kid in a skate park. Uh, I can't remember his name. It's eluding me. I might have the screenshot here, but uh, this kid in the skate park sees Tony Hawk. He's like, hey man, what's your name? He's like, my name's Tony. What's yours? And he tells him his name and he goes, Tony, like Tony Hawk. Okay, I'm sorry. If you're in a skate park, you should probably know who Tony Hawk is. That's that's kind of just like a rule. But there was another one um, where he says, okay, so I have the tweet here. Now, this is from a, a couple weeks ago, but it says, uh, it's Tony Hawk. He says, I'm surfing in Hawaii, paddling out the lineup. Guy paddling next to me goes, anyone ever tell you that you look like Tony Hawk? And Tony says, me thinking that he knows about the joke. He goes, yes, but you're the first person today. And he goes, man, you should just tell people that you are and sign his name. Is Tony Hawk that unrecognizable that nobody knows who this man is? Because we have to start understanding that this guy is, whether, you know, I realize not everyone's into skateboarding, but this guy kind of revolutionized skateboarding in a lot of ways. Like he was the name. He has games named after him, people. Yeah, I can't wait to get a new Xbox, uh, the new Xbox and play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 again, because that's the peak ultimate game as far as just you skate around, you do tricks, and you listen to Blink-182 and Yellow Card Ocean Avenue. And that's all before, you know, our good friends at Amazon Music came out with their service. But, I mean, my gosh. I mean, Tony Tony also doesn't have a nickname, right? I feel like any action sports star who's, like, big has, like, uh, a nickname. Like, Sean White was the big tomato for a long time, right? Um, that's one that comes to mind. Michael Phelps, uh, the human fish. He's not action, but he's still, you know, in the niche sports world of, of recognizable people. But Tony Hawk, I feel like, is just like that classic, you know, you, you definitely wouldn't know him in, unless you saw him. I was watching Nitro Circus the other night, and I 
all those guys are like from Maryland. I don't think I would ever be able to recognize some. Like Street Bike Tommy, like one of those Nitro Circus characters or Travis Pastrana, I don't think I would know who they are. So my my argument on this this side of it though is is so for me like if I'm I'm going to put this in my context I'm a huge football fan right if I'm at a football event I'm going to know who Tom Brady is I'm going to know who Joe Montana is I'm going to know who these people are. Now, I understand that there's a, an argument of playing the game versus learning the history and understanding that. But, like, again, Tony Hawk is the – he is, like, the name that I associate with skateboarding. Maybe that's ignorant. I'm sure there's others that have been really good that I'm just not aware of. But, I mean, you're you're kind of in this man's element who has very much popularized this throughout the last 25 years. And you're just like, <laughs> you know, you kind of look like Tony Hawk. He is Tony Hawk. Okay. You know, just study a picture. I think everyone before you go to a skate park should be required to stare at a picture of Tony Hawk for five minutes in the event that he shows up at said skate park. I don't care where you are. Print a picture off, look him up, look at it on your phone, study it. And if he shows up, you will know who he is. Yeah. But it feels that's where it's embarrassing and being at a skate park and the kids saying that. Yeah. I mean, may, maybe a surfer in Hawaii, you know, maybe you don't recognize him on vacation. I mean, yeah. I would still recognize Tom Brady on vacation, but if I'm anywhere where Tom Brady's vacation and we're doing pretty well. So that's a, that's a secondary side of this. That's thing. where our podcast studio will be. We're yeah. <laughs> Tom, if you want to do an interview with us, hit us up. Yeah. If you're listening to this. Yeah. Right. Anyway, <laughs> um, not quite yet. All right. So the last one that I have here, um, this is a fun one. And this was actually, this is actually one that I've, I've seen a little bit on social media. I've, I've seen it. People have shared it around a little bit. I actually do understand this one, but it's so wild that I just have to share it because I feel like people just wouldn't get it. So throughout the pandemic, there's been a lot of, um, you know, what can we do to save small businesses? And of course, Barstool did their fund and a lot of other, you know, private ways of saving small businesses and supporting small businesses throughout this time, right? Uh, so we have a great one, a great one out of California. I believe this, I believe he's a stunt man. It calls him a stunt man. His name's Hunter Ray Barker. The Reuters article says stuntman Hunter Ray Barker has gone to extreme lengths to bring more diners to his favorite local restaurant by sitting and bathing in bean dip for 24 hours. So if you read the article, essentially this man sat outside of the restaurant in a big, uh, not a big, but like a small little um, kiddie pool, but like the big version of that. Yeah. Outside of the restaurant in Bean Dip for 24 hours to basically attract customers in. Yeah, I don't understand that. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, also, I'm all for saving businesses, those things, but... Yeah, no, that uh, a couple months ago, Steve-O, if you remember Steve-O from Jackass, mm -hmm. Steve-O duct taped himself to a billboard in LA to get publicity for his new comedy special. And it was like, I understand he's Steve-O, but there's different ways you can go about doing this. Uh, that's what I feel like uh, with this guy. Like you could do 
any number of things. Right now, one thing that's actually kind of starting to resurface, I don't know if you saw it, uh, there is an ALS pepper challenge. So you eat in, uh, similar to the ice bucket challenge craze from a couple summers ago, you, you eat a pepper, you answer two or three questions. Now it could be a jalapeno, it could be a habanero, it could be any kind of pepper, ghost pepper. And you answer questions and you raise money for ALS. That is something that is like, okay, I, I understand from point A to point B, but I don't understand the bean dip. Um, so I believe that number one, it's a, a Mexican restaurant. So like a traditional Mexican dish, but like still whatever it's, you know, okay. One-to-one that -one, makes sense, but I can understand where the argument would be made that why would you want to do that? Uh, so two other points on this real quick. You're talking about the pepper challenge. Have you ever heard of or tried, and I can't remember if we've talked about this. If we have, please stop me. Scorpion cheddar cheese. What in the world is that? Okay, so I had no idea either, right? You know, you understand that there's like levels of hot out there that are you know beyond pepper jack, what they're selling at Kroger, folks. So my, my dad and I are both, we're not connoisseurs of hot food. We're not, you know, out here trying all the hottest food, but he comes home from our local meat market. I know you would know what it is. It's Wayne's. He comes home from Wayne's uh, with, um, with some scorpion cheddar. And I, I happened to be home that weekend. And he goes, yeah, I got this really hot cheese out there in the, in the um, fridge. You want to try it? It's called scorpion cheddar. He's like, I'm telling you, though, it made my mouth burn. So part of me is thinking, you know, maybe my dad's just getting, you know, maybe he's losing a little bit of that. Like he doesn't like it quite as hot as he would. And he's like, no, I'm telling you, as soon as I had a piece, I had to get some water. Ah, okay. Right. I think I can do this. Right. Right. So I cut a block of it off one bite in. I poured milk. Dad's not oh, losing yeah. his, dad's not losing his taste. That stuff is hot and it lingers in your mouth. So if you're a hot food fan, go for it but i'm gonna tell you what i would not recommend it but it is uh it is something to be something to be heralded one bite in is a hot hot level i think the hottest thing i've ever had is uh on a wing without someone telling me and it was just like it's one of those things like you feel like you would give someone common courtesy to be like hey i put this on your food you can either eat it or throw it away uh, I ordered wings and I didn't realize, but I knew the cooks and I, I was working at the restaurant at the time. They put a sauce without me knowing mixed in with my buffalo because I got buffalo wings, just traditional buffalo wings. They mixed in a sauce called Carolina Reaper. Mm. I took a bite of that and OMG was that thing just on fire. And then have you ever seen the little nitro? Mm. the little nitro is a one gummy bear in a pack like a box and you take a bite of it it is bananas how hot that thing is it's it's a like gummy bear but then like what they spice it with i guess is juice from a jalapeno and it mix in it mixes in with a gelatin dude i'm telling you don't ever do it. <laughs> Look, I've had scorpion cheddar. I think that's about the yeah. worst hot challenge I want to take. It's not even a challenge. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there that eat it and just put it on their sandwiches. And they're like, it's not that y'all are crazy. I don't understand the people either that sign waivers for like wing challenges. Like, what no. are you 
let me tell you, if you have to sign a waiver for something, there is a potential that it will kill you. That's why they have the waiver. That's that's right. I mean, like if you ever watch Man versus Food, there's one place he goes to called uh, and they have suicide wings. He eats them and he literally takes one bite and it's the only time I've ever seen him not finish a challenge because it was like way too hot. And people yeah. like the place he was at, like people who've done it before, like have gone into like cardiac arrest and stuff like that because the wings are so hot. Like maybe you should stop making the wing flavor that hot then. So the other side of this though is, is why would you want to make something that hot that people won't eat? I think it's just the publicity. Fair enough. Well, we've, we've gotten off on a bit of a hot food tangent yeah. here, but I want to, I want to do, I want to do, I want to do something. I, I want to ask you one more question uh, with this bean dip story. Is there a restaurant, small business, you know, I, I think a number of people in the world would sit in ranch to save chilies, unfortunately. Um, I, I love chilies myself. I'm not going to knock chilies. I'm a big fan of their quesadillas. Is there a restaurant that you would sit in sauce for to save it as a small business? I don't think so. I really don't. Um, I think maybe the closest I would come to wanting to save a business would be like a Jimmy John's. Okay. So still a, still a relatively national brand there there is one restaurant that i can think of that unfortunately is no longer with us uh for those that are familiar with morgantown west virginia you will remember this one uh if not i apologize that you'll never have the opportunity to come here but i would have definitely sat in their fry sauce to save tailpipes oh dude no no we're, are we going to have an argument right now about tailpipes? It's, it was some of the worst food I, I ever had in Morgantown. I oh, think no. The, the best oh, no. local place to eat out there, and this is like our international listeners will not know what the <laughs> hell we're talking about, but the best place to eat out there is lots of matzah. As far as local business goes, lots of matzah is a pretty good one. And then, I, I mean, the brewery is not really a local spot because there's like, multiple breweries mm-hmm. that are like mountain state locations but probably that or or uh fishbowl fishbowl does have good way. there's actually another wing place out here now that if you're ever out here you got to try that i think is better than fishbowl but mm-hmm. i don't know if you trust my food source because i'm saying that tailpipes is my favorite yeah. but yeah i would have personally i would have definitely sat in their fry sauce because they also owned uh, another restaurant too uh, we, we're not going to go down a rabbit hole of Morgantown, West Virginia restaurants, but point is, is I can definitely think of one uh, that I would have sat in sauce to save, but unfortunately, uh, Hunter was about a year too late on, on his challenge, and I, I could not save tailpipes by bathing in their fry sauce, so rest in peace, tailpipes. I will miss you, even though Ryan won't miss you. Yeah, no, t- ter- <laughs> terrible food. Uh, we can grab bag I mean, it's a no-brainer. Like, we don't even... It is conference championship weekend. Still wall-to-wall action till Sunday at Selection Sunday. This is obviously stuff we missed out on last year. Mm -hmm. It is insane the amount of action we have coming over the next couple days. Conference championship week, 
hockey's still really, really knee deep in the thick of things right now, as you are very much aware. Mm-hmm. And so am I. NBA starting up second half. Premier League is going to be balls to the wall crazy this weekend. I don't want to get into the ins and outs of some of the matchups, but there are some good ones coming this weekend. And, dude, I mean, I I know we probably don't have a whole lot of people who watch golf, but the Players' Championship is is basically a a, a many-level Masters. I mean, it is insane how much that course plays year to year. It seems like this year it's it's playing more like a U.S. Open course than a PGA course because it seems to be a lot of the guys, at least on day one, as we've talked as I talked about earlier, are, are struggling on the back nine, especially on 17. So there's so much going on this weekend. I don't know how we're going to keep track of it all. And if you've been following us on Twitter, we have been going crazy keeping you updated on Conference Championship Week. Oh yeah, it's it's been a frenzy on Twitter this week with with all of our uh, all of our conference championship and and it'll be the same into the tournament as well. Um, honestly, I, I didn't even really look too much into the schedule for the NBA, um, you know, and the NHL for that. I think the Penguins play another game this weekend, so you know, I'll definitely I'll always tune into the Penguins too. Um, but if you're watching basketball this week, turn turn the NBA off just for one weekend and watch a little college basketball because that's really where it gets good. Uh, my quick NASCAR, I'll make it about 20 seconds here. The quick NASCAR 20 seconds is, is that they're at Phoenix this weekend. That is a track that has been pretty much dominated by Kevin Harvick the last number of years. Uh, so I think we're going to see a Kevin Harvick or maybe a Chase Elliott win this weekend. So uh, to get a little bit of normalcy back in the NASCAR world. Great. Yeah. No, uh, what, what, what were the names? Chase Elliott and who? Kevin Harvick. Okay, yeah. Um, let, let's go uh, one of those guys. Uh, Chase Elliott. Uh, I'll take Chase Elliott. Kevin Harvick used to drive a Jimmy John's car, if I'm not mistaken. So wow. that, that, yeah. might inf- that might influence your decision. I'll, I'll switch my decision there. <laughs> um, but if they want to follow us and uh, listen to us, Ryan, how are they going to do that? do that? Because we are not going to slow down uh, heading into Selection Sunday. We have a huge week playing for uh, March Madness, by the way. Well, and where else are you going to get coverage of every major sport, pretty much? I mean, we have on this show, we've covered the NHL, the NBA. We've also covered NASCAR. We've covered golf. We've covered MMA. We're covering the Premier League. Now, we're not doing it fully in depth, but you can do that, too. We have our moments to talk about it. No one else is doing this, folks. So if you're listening to us, we know you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, whatever your preferred or user-friendly platform is for yourself. But again, you can find us on there on Spotify or on Apple for the podcasts to Ryan Sports Show. But following us on social media will also be key, especially this weekend as we move into the conference championships. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for all of our live reactions, tweets, posts, comments, upcoming episodes, everything with that. But again, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, to Ryan Sports Show. When you're on Apple and Spotify, I forgot my line. Oh, no. When you're on Apple and Spotify, make sure you subscribe, rate, and leave a review. I got it. And we'll see everyone next week. Huge, huge, huge week of March Madness. Lock in because 
there is a lot of basketball coming over the next two weeks, more than there's already been this week. See everyone next week. This is March, baby.